0: Kidding. hitting is not about muscle. It's simple physics. Calculate the velocity V in relation to the trajectory T in which G, gravity, of course, remains a constant.
1: It's not complicated. Now, who are you again? George Costanza, assistant to
0: the traveling secretary.
1: Are you the guy who put us in that Ramada in (laughs) Milwaukee? You
0: want to talk about hotels you want to win some ballgames? Hey, we won the World Series in six games.
1: <laughs> All right. Hello, baseball fans. This is Alex Christopoli, and I am hosting a non baseball version of this episode of the Banish of the Pen podcast. I am joined by Anthony Lorenzo and Scott Kushner, and tonight we're going to be talking about Seinfeld. Say hi guys.
2: Hi, Alex and Scott. This is Anthony. Hi. Hi, it's it's Scott.
1: All right, so I think what we're going to do, we're going to go through in each – we're going to do a draft, and we're each going to pick a character, not one of the main four, to start off. How does that sound? Sounds good. Sounds great. My wife just walked in and said Serenity now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will – uh why don't – I'll pick the order – Anthony why don't you go first? Scott you'll follow it up and I'll, and I'll go next and we'll do three right. rounds we'll do three rounds of the characters and then we'll just go from there
2: okay, so my first my first round pick being a Met fan and a Seinfeld fan I'm gonna go with Keith Hernandez. he had this, some mm. sh- very strong mm. episodes uh, early on in Seinfeld around 1992 91 92 after you retired so um, that's that's gonna be my first pick.
1: Definitely a classic episode. The one he's in, um, not just classic episode, but I would say the scene where they're going through and talking about the spitting incident, yeah, and and just like they, you know, break down the Zapruder film and JFK. I think that was a very pivotal moment for the show.
2: Yep,
0: I, I think I think it qualifies as one of of many inspired moments. You know, where it just. You know, because I, I just imagine them, like, sitting around in the writer's room being like, guys, this is what we should do. We, we've we got to, like, break it down, like this is a Bruder film, and it's got to be, a, you know, go to the grainy footage and all that kind of stuff. And when they come up with that idea, you know they got to be breaking their arms, patting themselves on the back, like, this is genius.
1: Right, and, and it's funny to watch it now, but I think um, not everyone realizes it, especially – people who are watching Seinfeld right now for the first time probably don't understand that this was running parallel with the movie JFK being right. huge in the right. theaters. Yep, yep.
2: Yeah, just last night you know, preparing for the podcast, I was going through the Wikipedia page and just seeing the different years and who wrote what episode and also how many people viewed them at first. I mean, the show really had its uh, hurdles early on. Um, just looking at you know, the first season was five episodes. The second season was about thirteen, and then they actually got a full season. But even then, it took them a, a, until about you know midway through to get you know twenty six plus million an episode. So, mm.
1: so Keith Hernandez is off the board. I got to be honest, Anthony. I think you could have gotten him in a later round. <laughs> I, I, I I think so.
0: I think so too. Uh, but I understand because you're a Mets yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you know. Uh you know it's what makes an impact and and his his was definitely a a classic uh cameo yeah, no, was, no doubt
2: There was also no the one where where uh Jerry's you know offering to help him move but then he's going through his uh different furniture and and you could see the pain on Jerry's face as he talks about how he lives in a walk up apartment and and uh kind of takes away from Jerry's idea of becoming friends with the uh the one and only Keith Hernandez
1: and and the whole idea behind that was Jerry was excited about this budding friendship, but thought it was moving too fast. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, kind of like how a uh, a romantic relation you know it was supposed to be like a romantic relationship.
0: Well, the the other thing I liked about it is you know a lot of times with cameos and particularly when you have like you know um, sports stars or whatever in, in any kind of show. Like the guys are are kind of held up to be, you know, the the wonderful all around guy that that you kind of believe them to be or want them to be because they're your favorite sports star, and in that particular one, like Elaine is pumping the brakes pretty hard, yeah, you know, like you know, better check the third base coach because he's not waving you home, and 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 Keith Hernandez is just kind of the still this like boorish like you know the the character that they put him as. Was not a you know candy coated I'm the perfect guy sort of thing so I think a lot of credit to Keith Hernandez for accepting a role like that and for them kind of being creative with with writing a role like that I thought it was it was pretty good two more two more things about that episode one Keith Hernandez is a pretty
1: good actor
0: yeah right he's not wooden so, like a lot of the other guys that cameo
1: yeah and, and second when when they first meet him in the locker room. At the uh, fitness club or whatever, that's when George brings up the idea of an entire team dying in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I bring that up because it was actually—I don't know if you listened to the Effectively Wild podcast where Ben and Sam talked about how they were being pestered by a listener um, about that question. You know, like what what would baseball do? Oh, how,
0: right. What would happen? Yeah. That,
1: that that was one of my coworkers who was bothered. <laughs> oh no, kidding with that email. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to bring that up, but so Keith Hernandez is off the board. Uh, I like that pick. That's a good one, especially for a Mets fans. Scott, do you wanna you wanna go next?
0: Sure. I mean, uh, I I didn't think I was gonna you know get to choose between these two guys. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, I think I'm gonna go with Frank Costanza. You know, he 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 gave us serenity now, which <laughs> you know really endures to this day and uh and Festivus and uh, just a, a myriad of other things that are are just so classic um you know what, what an incredible role that was so I have two comments about
1: Frank one Festivus is probably my favorite episode of all time um, <laughs> I, might, I might be tipping my hand if we're gonna be drafting episodes later that's <laughs> right the, the episode where they're at the Festivus table um it's probably only a minute and a half long and it's hilarious every second. <laughs> every second of it is hilarious. And two, I don't think there's a single episode or a single scene. If there's a scene with Frank and Kramer, it's hilarious. If you put those two in the room together, it's always, always funny.
0: Or well, they're just always so dialed up. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's there's zero chill in them. <laughs>
1: When they're playing pool and and Kramer discovers he can use the maestro's, um, I guess baton is what, is what that what what baton I don't even know what is <laughs> whatever that is I don't even know what the proper word for that is uh, I love that scene music stick yeah the music <laughs> stick when they come up with the bro is uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: right? the manslayer
1: yeah. yeah yeah I was.
2: Yes. I was watching, uh, there was a, someone posted in Effectively Wild group the um, the scene where George Steinbrenner thinks George is dead and he's at the house um, <laughs> telling his parents, and the mom's concerned, um, and and Frank goes off on, how could you trade B- Jay Buhner? He hit 30 home runs last year with over 100 RBIs and had a rocket for an arm. <laughs> you don't know what the hell you're doing. So, I mean... That's that's him to a T. And then then he calls Jerry and says that uh, you know George Steinbrenner's at the house. George is dead. Call me back. So, <laughs> very nonchalant. Uh, it,
0: it, is, is there any is, is there any question how George turns out to be George when you have a dad and you know not that the mom was a, a prize, but just just wonderful. Um, N- not yeah. to get
2: too inside Seinfeld, but it makes me think how George is patterned after. Larry David, right. wonder if Larry David had that type of uh, childhood. Kind of,
0: uh, yeah, right. Like with that, what was that David household?
2: Yeah, I, I I've heard him have a, a few interviews, maybe on Howard Stern. He had a really like an hour and a half, but uh, he, it, it, Frank's probably yeah. a, he's an amalgamation of just that generation of parents. He also had the that whole uh, when he, Frank was the cook. And he, 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 he cooked in, uh, in Vietnam or, or Korea. Korea. And he made everyone say he was the best cook in the Army. And they had the flashback scene of everyone headed to the latrines. And... One, of, uh, uh.
1: one of my favorite Frank moments is when he decides that he and Estelle are moving to Del Boca Vista just despite Jerry's parents. And when he calls up Morty Seinfeld and, and lets him know, He's, <laughs> I'm going to be in the clubhouse. I'm going to be all over the. You know, <laughs> that's some good stuff. Uh. Anyone else want to share anything about Frank?
2: I'm trying to think. Uh, what, what comes to mind is he was sort of a generational comedic talent. I mean, my, I watched the show with my dad, and he remembers him from from his earlier days. So it was, you know, good that they brought in someone you know, a, a, uh, a veteran of comedy, so to speak, to the, to the show. And then he sort of took that character on to King of Queens and, and uh, he's probably got a nice, nice residual income coming in from all the syndication.
0: The only other thing I'll say about it is that, you know, so around the time that, that I was watching it, I, uh, let's see, it, the show finished when I was graduating high school. So like it was mostly like through my high school years that I was really starting to watch Seinfeld, you know, and kind of catch up on the reruns and things like that. And during that time was also kind of the, the launching of, um, Ben Stiller's career, you know, hmm. and, and he became this, you know, this comedy genius and, and a guy who just everything he was making was a big hit and hilarious. And, and I, I couldn't help but think like, well, yeah, if you have a dad that's as as absolutely amazing as the guy who's playing Frank Costanza, like how could you not you know um, you know the apple certainly didn't fall far and uh, i just I just thought that was i don't know it, it was a it was a heck of a father son tandem
1: do you all remember the episode where George is going to interview with Sid Farkas, the bra salesman right, <laughs> okay, so there's a scene in that episode where Frank. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes when Frank is uh, they're at the dinner table and he asks George's mom to go get one of her bras so George can look at it um, to study it before he goes in, you know, to be prepared for the interview. Right. And, and then that's when he also starts, you know, telling George about the cup sizes and stuff. But what I like about that scene, I don't know why, but he has a toothpick while he's talking. And it's so funny to me. I don't know why.
2: Like Dusty Baker. Yeah, yeah, just the way he's just—he's yeah, in control. It's yeah, an awkward yeah, situation, he's but he's not—he's not phased he's not by it at all. It's yeah, just another, exactly. another thing, not another topic.
1: So Frankenstein's is gone. I didn't think he would last, last very long. Um, so that's a—that is a great pick. It is now my turn, and this is also someone who would probably be available in later rounds. But I just like this character so much. I'm going to pick him now, and that's Kruger. Yeah, <laughs> George's boss at Kruger industrial smoothing. Um, maybe the dumbest guy ever on the show. No, uh, I don't know if he's the dumbest guy, but he, um, how would you describe him? I, I, I always loved the fact that he was so carefree and didn't care about anything. And he would always say, uh, I'm, I'm not that worried about it. Um, and the way he would drive George crazy always sort of cracked me up
0: uh yeah, I would be what happy go lucky blissfully ignorant yep um he all those things i mean he he was the somehow he had he had elevated himself to a position of power without, <laughs> despite, despite having any kind of drive whatsoever
1: and uh if if you recall. Kruger Industrial Smoothing botched the Statue of Liberty job, I, I
0: believe. Yep.
1: According to Kramer, when George first starts working there,
0: and I, don't, I don't remember that little detail. That's good.
1: That I, I believe when George first gets the job at Kruger, he's in Jerry's apartment talking about it, and Kramer says something effective that they're the ones who botched the Statue of Liberty job, or <laughs> or something. The uh, the episode where. George wants to be called T Bone. Mm-hmm. Sure, keeps calling him by other nicknames is really good. But I, my favorite one is the one. I, so I'm, I'm trying to. The thing about Seinfeld is there's always three different storylines, right? In three independent of each other. So I'm trying to even, I'm trying to remember what, what actual episode this was. Right.
0: In the independent and yet interwoven.
1: Yeah, yeah. At, eventually eventually they, they will meet. usually meet up somewhere.
0: So if you can figure out one portion of the plot, then you can usually kind of work backwards to what, yeah. what else was going on. Yeah, yeah.
1: okay. Right. So, so I just figured out what episode it was. It's the one where, where George wants to go out on a high note.
0: Oh, right. right. Every time he says something good, he <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and he's working at Kruger at the time. I think it's also the same episode where Kramer and Mickey – are acting out those uh, diseases. Diseases, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry, Jerry's dating the girl with the tractor story. I believe those are the three, three, the three things going on. Yeah,
0: parallel things. Huh?
1: Yeah, but Kruger, Kruger's hilarious in that episode because George's idea of going out on a high note backfires because Kruger, um, for this huge project, sends everyone home but George because – um, according to Kruger, George lately has just been on and leaving him wanting more. <laughs> and so then it's just George and Kruger working on whatever project this is. They never quite say. And of course, Kruger's doing nothing, and George is left to do everything. And there's one part where they're actually at the diner. George and George and Jerry are, and George is complaining to Jerry about the fact that Kruger is not doing anything, and that, and then he looks over his shoulder, and Kruger is eating a huge piece of apple pie. So that's my pick, Kruger. I don't even. Did he even have a first name? Do we uh, know?
2: No, I'm, I'm looking it look now. So. It just says Mr. Kruger. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: That he makes was, me like him even more. He was in about
2: four, <laughs> four episodes.
1: Okay. Now, are we doing a snake draft or are we going back to the beginning? Yeah,
0: go, go ahead. Double up.
1: All right. <laughs> so I'll go again and I will take Jay Peterman. <laughs> I
0: mean had to come off the board at some point.
1: My favorite Jay Peterman moment is when he gives the eulogy at Susie's funeral. Um, Susie, if you remember, (laughs) wasn't even an actual person. Right. Um, She was someone someone Elaine uh, sort of made up to – well, no, she was someone that one of Elaine's coworkers was mistakenly calling Elaine Susie. Right. And in the state of confusion, somehow Susie actually became a – a real person, but not really at work. Um, And to, to get rid of her, Elaine had to tell Kruger that Susie um, took her own life. And so they ended up having a wake and everything. And Jay Peterman gives the eulogy and brags about sleeping with Susie. um, (laughs) Who, as we all know, was never even existed in the first place. And not only that, but, Another great thing about that moment is Peterman actually shows up late to the funeral in this crazy, like Rolls Royce type car, shows up late and rear ends the car in front of him. Um, and the reason why I know that is because then he goes inside. But when he rear ends the car in front of him, the trunk opens. And that's when ah, I can't remember his name, but the guy who um, he was stuck in their trunk. He's the guy Jerry yeah. called the phony in the earlier episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The broken arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how he gets out and, and runs in and says, "Susie wasn't didn't actually commit suicide. He was murdered. She was murdered by Jerry Seinfeld." <laughs> um, so just the vanity of Peterman to not only sh- to not only brag, to not only show up late to the funeral driving that ridiculous car, but to rear end a car, think nothing of it, and then go in and give the eulogy. And brag about sleeping with a woman who was never, who never even existed in the first place.
2: Yeah, another Peter Minne one I remember is the uh, the birthday cake, or <laughs> yeah, oh not that birthday, the wedding, the wedding cake. Yeah, it was uh, from nineteen, about nineteen in the nineteen thirties, and uh, Elaine was had a sugar rush because they kept on having parties at work. At that three o'clock uh, sugar addiction and. She went into his office and, and took some of that cake and then tried to replace it with Entenmann's, which is – uh, I don't know if – out on the West Coast, Scott, is Entenmann's out there?
0: I'm sorry. What was that? Entenmann's? Entenmann's? Yeah, it's out there.
2: Okay. Yeah, because
1: – So I've never I've never heard of that. I just assumed that was one of the uh, New York thing from Seinfeld. Um, yeah. So c- can someone fill me in on what exactly Entenmann's
2: is? It's uh... – oh, go ahead, Scott.
0: no it's just it's just like pastries that you would get in a grocery store okay um i mean i remember them advertising pretty heavily back when i was you know they would be like strudels and um not necessarily donuts but like um they come in like a cake pan almost and you i mean they were delicious i i I have a soft spot for for pastries but you know it'd be like that kind of Fruit compote with some sort of frosting on a on a flaky crust, but you know you just there would just be whole huge displays of them, and they were dirt cheap, and you could get a huge you know probably three thousand calories worth of pastries for two bucks or something like that.
2: Yeah, that's it. Are you familiar with Tasty Cakes at all? Yes, Alex. I am not. Okay, <laughs> so what's so what's Tasty, the, Tasty Cakes? Yeah, Tasty. Where, are you, where are you from originally?
1: I am from Illinois. Near Springfield, so between St.
2: Louis and Chicago. Okay, so so if you're at the um, grocery checkout line and you know how they have cookies and cakes and things, what, what is it usually? Is there a brand, a Midwestern brand? or? Um, I mean, Hostess? Okay, yeah. <laughs> there Hostess. you go.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Or Little Debbie's? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Entenmann's is sort of in that vein. And that's another part of the show that, I mean, it was a very New York-centric show. I remember actually getting into a fight with my girlfriend over Seinfeld, where she said she didn't really get it, and I said, "Well, that's because you're not from New York," and she was she totally shut me down the rest of the day because <laughs> uh, that was a no no. But um, growing up in New York in that time frame, you know, I, I like Scott was in high school um, when the when it ended, and. Um, you no, know, it was a big part of the Friday conversations at lunch and and at breakfast at school. So you now now it's almost twenty years later that it that it's over. It, it's funny. I
0: I growing up in, in California, I didn't get a lot of the New York references. You know, uh, actually, so I I did live in Long on Long Island for a little, for a couple of years, and I've lived I live in New Jersey now. Lived around the city, so. Like, I remember in the uh, the airport episode where they're shuttling back and forth between LaGuardia and JFK and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, don't take the Van Wick. Don't take the Van Wick. <laughs> and I didn't know what the heck the Van Wick was yeah. until I finally moved out there. And I was like, it's the Van Wick. We can't go on the Van Wick. <laughs> you know, so a lot of the uh, of the references, particularly the New York references, were, were lost on me. Yet, me, my friends and I still very much appreciated the show. So we may not have got it all, but I, I like to think that we... Enjoyed uh, quite a bit of it. Yeah, and Jay Peterman was really that,
2: uh, kind of like that J. Crew style, or even um, what right. are some of those other? I, I don't get them. That's why. I'm, <laughs> yeah.
0: um, where where uh, yeah the, the the clothing catalogs were... yeah you're, not, I, yeah, you're, not, you're not buying a piece of clothing you're buying an adventure yeah were they yeah
1: okay so Peterman is gone Peterman is gone Scott. Well wow.
0: well I we're doing three rounds of this. Yeah. Because uh, I do have a sleeper pick and I don't want to use my sleeper pick now. It seem it seems uh it seems I can't believe that Newman is still on the board. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean gotta gotta take Newman here. I thought I thought he might go first overall to be honest with you. <laughs> um I mean he had I think of all the ancillary characters he probably had the largest role and was was involved if there's if there's a fifth character he's probably it um but just everything from the the like the hatred he and jerry have to the the schemes that he and kramer will put together um you know he's he's involved in many of like you know we talked about the the second spitter uh episode with keith hernandez he's obviously very much involved in that um you know a lot of i think the the better um storylines and plots had, had Newman as kind of the dark nemesis, the, the, you know, the evil antagonist in, in so many of them. So I got to take Newman here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm preparing for the podcast. I, uh, watched some old episodes last night and I watched the chicken roaster, um, where <laughs> the Kenny Rogers opens up across the street and George and Jerry, not George, I'm sorry, Kramer and Jerry switch apartments and identities for that matter. And, uh, Newman is the chicken uh, dealer, in a sense. He he brings it up for for Kramer because Kramer doesn't want Kenny, Kenny Rogers up there, but yeah, Newman had a lot of good good ones, and that I think parlayed into his role at uh, Jurassic Park as well.
0: <laughs> oh, I, and and I, I don't. I mean, there there's so many great uh, you know casting elements in the show. Like, I mean, I don't know that you could nail george costanza any better than what jason alexander does but i mean wayne knight as newman just perfect just perfect
1: i just sent you guys one of my favorite moments from newman i don't know if you got it check your skype but one of my favorite lines um he he ever had on the show did you all get it yes joke boy yeah, and it's it's the yeah, episode
0: that where both
1: young Je- where Kramer decides he, he likes Jerry's girlfriend and Pam. Up
0: your inane
1: and observations? I'm going to read. So Jerry is and and Newman is helping Kramer because Newman has a way with words. So Newman is helping Kramer um, talk to her, and Jerry kind of brushes off Newman's assistance, saying, "You know, I don't need your help." And Newman replies, you really think you can manipulate you can manipulate that beautiful young woman like the half south nightclub rabble that lap up your inane observations? (laughs) And I'm giving it no justice. The way he says it is one of my favorite moments in the history of of that program. Uh, So if, if you're able to watch the clip. Especially when he does the air quotes around observations, really, really makes me laugh.
2: Yeah, especially that episode takes you into Newman's apartment, and you can see just the difference of how he has things set up. He's kind of like the king of his own. Castle. He has
1: the weirdest things in his apartment.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a postman. That's part of his <laughs> uh, his uh, shtick.
0: Well, and isn't isn't? I mean, this was also. I'm, I'm trying to remember the timeline of real world. You know where where postmen were going postal when that became a, a phrase, and uh, and actually I think they they address that on the show, don't they? Yeah. In one one of the episodes, and he, he's talking about just like the you know how the mail never stops, yeah, and just is. keeps coming and coming, right. and uh, you know he's touched, he's definitely touched in the in the brain a little bit, and and then he uh, he one of the episodes he is not delivering the mail and. He, he explains that it's because it's raining outside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <they're> like, <laughs> and Jerry Jerry of course calls him on it. It's like not rain nor sleet nor it's the first one. Yeah,
1: that's George. George it's called him on George,
0: it. George is it George? Oh. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he said, I I believe Newman says I never cared too much for creeds.
2: <laughs> yeah. The the episode you referenced, Scott, was when Kramer wanted to stop his mail, and um, Newman was sort of the the. Go between and tried to smooth things out, but they had to bring in Wilford Brimley, who was the per- Postmaster General, <laughs> right. to set to set Kramer straight. And uh, I remember Newman saying, "When you control the mail, you control information." <laughs> and that's something that you know nowadays. If you're watching that nowadays, you know it's really things have changed. But you know it was another great Newman moment.
0: That that may rank up as one of his better quotes. I I, I gotta think the when he's driving the um, whatever that truck is and it bursts into flames. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they finish up with oh the humanity. Uh, just uh, in, in prepping in prepping for for all this, you know, digging through old episodes and kind of looking at best moments and and you know trying to to reignite some of my m- memories just it's amazing how quotable the show the show is was whatever and uh and newman for not being one of the top you know main four characters i think has quite a bit of of quotable moments yeah when i uh told the coworker that we were gonna have this podcast at work
2: we've spent the last maybe three days going over stuff and quotes and whatnot so I mean, that that Newman scene was great because, you know, he needed to get that $0.10 deposit in Michigan rather than the $0.05 deposits in New York and everywhere else.
1: So Newman's off the board. Anthony, we're back to you.
2: Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Bookman, the library cop, uh, who took his job very seriously. Oh, okay. He was only Mm -hmm. in really one episode. He was in the finale, and he... uh, Investigated Jerry for having uh, checked out *Tropic of Cancer* uh-huh. <laughs> in, when he was in high school, and uh, just how serious he took his job and how he played it. I mean, the, the actor is Philip Baker Hall, one of you know, a really strong actor, and uh, he took the role to heart. And it just it was great. We always think of library books, as, he even gives a, a monologue about, you know, you guys just think it's it's uh not a big issue but there's people who care about these books and I'm here to to help so he was very uh intense and funny as well
0: he kind of nailed that like uh like the old like 70s TV show gumshoe kind of role
2: definitely yes yeah. so it yeah. Joe Friday and dragnet uh, right. just very very serious.
1: It's interesting with those episodes, like the Tropic of Cancer episode, when I think of Seinfeld, I feel they're almost like two different shows. The um, the first couple seasons when it was more the, I guess, show show about nothing, you know, you had episodes like the Keith Hernandez episode, the Tropic of uh, Cancer episode, um, the contest, stuff like that. At some point, and it may have been when um, Larry David left the show, stopped writing for the show, but at some point it just went off the rails, um, but in a good way. Like at some point it became Festivus or it became, um, you know, just absolutely crazy, crazy episodes that never would have happened in the first couple of seasons. Um, and I find myself liking the later episodes better than I do, more than I do the very early episodes. And so I still watch Seinfeld pretty often each week because it's on right when I get home from work on, like, TBS. You know, I'll be making dinner or something. But when it's one of those early episodes, I, I usually don't watch as often as I do the later ones. So I've probably seen the Tropic of Cancer one um, as little as – I mean, I've seen them all. But I've seen that one probably um, not nearly as many times as, as some of the others just yeah. because it's one of the very early episodes. Yeah, it's
2: 1991. Okay. The library. Um, yeah, and that's another thing I noticed when pulling up the episode guide. You notice early on it's mostly Larry David and, and Jerry Seinfeld are the writers. A few with Larry Charles, but then it maybe season four, season five, that's when things you see different people contributing, which probably, you know, that's what changed the show. Um, definitely got more mainstream at that point. But,
0: uh, you yeah, I, I, I thought I was going to be in the same vein as you in that. I thought that I would appreciate that. I, having not known when the episodes came out, like I, you can kind of tell based on like the hairstyles of Elaine and that kind of thing. Um, and maybe the quality of the footage, on, you know, some of those earlier ones just kind of feel a lot older when you're watching them. Um, but, but you know, I, I watched them very much out of order. I, I didn't start watching Seinfeld until the last few seasons, and I wasn't—it wasn't like I was watching it like appointment television. It was just I was always on, and they were kind of haphazardly arra- arranged. So, and you know, they're standalone. So, um, I didn't know whether I was watching season three one day or season seven. Um, uh-huh. But in going through all this and kind of looking at what my favorite episodes were and, and some of the better episodes as as ruled by the internet um, I actually found that I had a quite a, a widespread like some of my favorite episodes actually were in the, the third and fourth season and then some of my other ones are in the eighth and ninth season so uh, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the fact that you know yes I think they are different they certainly feel different but there was a certain magic maybe the magic changed but there was a certain magic to the show all throughout. Um That you know that you know that's why it held up, I guess as long as it did, and why it you know is revered so so much by by fans yeah,
2: yeah
1: and I think another reason why the show got so crazy towards the end is because they I think they'd reached such a status that they realized they could do whatever they wanted, right you know they could have a show where where um the, the episode where the Puerto Rican Day Parade is yep. going on yep. is just insane. Yep,
0: well, and that's one of the last episodes they ever made. I think, right? Yeah, it, it's just it's just a crazy,
1: crazy episode. Or the the Merv Griffin episode, which um, you know, those are I think those are two episodes that never would have happened in the first couple seasons. Um, and it's because yeah, the, you know, they had hit a they'd hit the pinnacle of television, um, mm-hmm. and they were basically playing with House Money at that point. And but they. They were all, even though they were just crazy, they were all still creative and very, very funny. The so Bookman is gone. Anthony, we're on to round three. If you want to kick us off.
2: Uh, I'm going to kick us off with the Jewish dentist, Tim Whatley. Played by <laughs> That's Brian a Cranston.
0: There you who, go. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, went on to being the dad, Malcolm in the middle and then Walter White. Um, Tim was in a few episodes, uh, but the the one that I stuck out in my mind was the yada yada episode where he, um, for what Jerry believed, Tim Watley became Jewish so that he could tell Jewish jokes in his practice. And this, uh, created a problem in Jerry as a, as a comedian, not necessarily as a, uh, Jewish individual, so he went to a rabbi and tried to work it out, but Tim Watley remained the uh, the Jewish dentist, and I remember uh, the scene where Jerry was reviewing his gripes with, with Kramer, and uh, Kramer said, well, I bet you think they should go to the, their own schools, and, J- and Jerry said, absolutely, and then that set Kramer off, but that's Kramer to a T, so... Tim Watley's is my third round, third round pick.
1: I I think my favorite Watley moment is the episode where he has pornographic magazines in the right, his in the way, house. At, yeah, at his <laughs> office. And I think there's a part in that episode where where Jerry's in for an appointment, and just before Jerry's about to go under with the laughing gas, he sees <laughs> Watley take a hit off it right before he starts to work on him. <laughs>
2: Yes, Jerry. Yes, I remember that one. Jerry thinks that the uh, some foul play might have been.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, he wakes up yeah. and thinks his shirt's untucked, and he thinks, um, "That's yeah, yeah, that's right." Man, yeah, Brian Cranston. When you look at Watley, and then like you said, uh, Malcolm in the Middle, and then Breaking Bad, that's an incredible career.
2: Yeah, and he's since he's he did the LBJ. Uh, play and turned it into an hBO movie he's another very interesting guy yeah um, well he did Trumbo recently yeah. yeah he's a he's a big big actor uh, one of those guys who kind mm. of always was but he didn't get that right role to be mainstream and now he now he definitely is so but I remember him first as being dr Tim
0: Wally. Dr. Tim Wiley. all right so- all right. Well, the guy that I, that I wanted to pick and I, it was, uh, gnawing at me when, when, uh, Anthony, when you took your first pick and it wasn't one of the, like the main secondary characters, I was a little worried that you were going to jump on, on a guy like this, but I need to get Lloyd Braun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just it, the awkwardness, um, the, the, you know, the crazy eyes, um, honestly, and I'm, I'm tipping my hand for our later draft on, on the episodes, but when he and George are locked in the computer sales and, <laughs> and he's just churning out sale after sale after sale only to find out that he has, hasn't even had his phone plugged in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that's, of course, Serenity Now, which... Yeah. You know, of course, ends with yeah, serenity now, <laughs> insanity later. You know, like just just brilliant. Um, uh, I think in an earlier episode, uh, the different episode was where he uh, he got like the the Chinese chewing gum for for Jerry,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and Jerry is like scared to to not chew it with him <laughs> because he knows he's crazy. And,
1: um, and Kramer's making him feel bad because kramer's right 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 yeah.
0: like come on he just got it um when he's convinced Elaine likes him i just he just he he. i don't know there are some guys that just they do it for me yeah lloyd braun
1: so funny thing about lloyd braun the very first time he appears is an earlier episode when he is an advisor to mayor Jenkins. right and he's played by a different actor. Oh, I didn't know that yeah um, I know was that I will so I'm gonna try and find um he, he, I'm gonna try and find a picture of the first Lloyd Braun and send it to you
2: yeah, there's, okay. there's actually a wiki a wiki for Seinfeld okay I, I pulled Lloyd Braun up and they have a picture of two guys there
1: okay, yeah, I don't know why um, yeah i I don't know what happened to the first guy, but he's uh the the second guy. Okay, so I, I just found the first Lloyd Braun, but the second Lloyd Braun, though the one we're all thinking of right now, he's he's definitely a bit more of a funny looking guy than the first Lloyd Braun, um, and maybe that was by design. Um, okay, I, I just sent you a picture of the uh, the first Lloyd Braun, but yeah, yeah. So the, so there are two Lloyd Brauns, um, also two. Um, Two Morty Seinfelds. yes. Morty
0: Seinfelds. Yes, the the first Morty Seinfeld was terrible. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And the second he, the second one was perfect. Uh, yes, yes. I, I feel bad because uh, I'm not going to pick him next. Uh,
0: no. So, well, before before we get off Lloyd Braun, I was doing I I was doing a little bit of reading about that that uh, that episode when Lloyd Braun is working for uh, Mayor Dinkins, and uh, so a little Seinfeld tidbit is that. That episode aired right after the actual election between Dinkins and um, Giuliani. Yeah, okay. And they had alternate – he was going to work for whoever lost the election. Okay. Wow. So had Giuliani lost, then the episode would have had him working for Giuliani because uh, if you recall, Lloyd Braun listened to Elaine. uh, I think Elaine had the idea – was it Elaine? Yeah, I think Elaine had the idea of everybody wearing name tags
1: yeah.
0: around the city. So she convinces Lloyd Braun, who convinces Dinkins, who loses the election because of that. And Lloyd Braun, as a result, has a nervous breakdown, goes to the insane asylum, and and becomes the Lloyd Braun we all know and love and are skeeved out by. Um, <laughs> but if if in real life, Giuliani had lost, then the, the script would have been flipped so that he had been working in Giuliani's office. So I thought that was an interesting little little twist.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and Lloyd Braun is actually the name of Larry David's lawyer
0: and manager. Right, 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 right. It's like his, his manager. Yeah, I think. So, yeah. I don't. I don't know what that relationship is like between Larry David and his manager. But I think.
2: I think it's a good one. I think because uh, Larry I, David. I, was have in, to be right. Yeah, Larry David was in his uh, play last year. I think Lloyd Braun was one of the characters.
1: That's funny because another another name I noticed like that is Alec Berg. Yes,
2: and he, he's in the credits, right?
1: Yeah, Alec Berg. Not only on Seinfeld is in the credits. So Alec Berg is the episode where uh, Jerry says he has a great John Houseman name, um, but he's the one with the good Rangers tickets. Yes, um, and and he and then Kramer gets angry at Jerry for not calling him to give him the day after thank you, but Alec Berg is like an executive producer on the show. And if you also watch Silicon Valley, his name's in the credits on that show as well. Oh, huh. so he's just some big TV guy, I guess. Yeah,
2: he's also a Curb Your Enthusiasm producer. Okay.
1: interesting. Do we have any more Lloyd Braun, Lloyd Braun stories?
2: No, I'm, That's, I'm good. That's
1: all I got for Lloyd. L B. So this this is my third pick, and. This is probably not a very good pick, but I just like this character so much. Um, I I should be picking Morty Seinfeld right now because he, he was perfect. But I'm gonna go with Slippery Pete. <laughs> Slippery Pete, the Frogger. Wow. Yeah, from the Frogger episode. Um, also, the same actor who was in Fargo, who played the crazy guy with Steve, who was Steve Buscemi's partner. I don't know right. if, if you've seen Fargo, the movie Fargo. Yes. Um,
0: yes. Classic.
1: Slippery Pete is one of Kramer's, uh, I guess, associates. They're not really friends. Um, uh, Kramer even says, no, this is no friend. He just happens to know, that, know him as a guy who can get stuff done. Um, but my favorite part of Slippery Pete in the Frogger episode is at the very end when he is playing Frogger. And he's the one, he's the one who runs down the battery, uh, forcing George to have to try to move it across the street. But after George yells at him to stop playing, um, he steps away from the machine and then looks straight at George and says, you owe me a quarter. (laughs) And then later when uh, right after that, when uh, George is trying to move the machine across the street, uh, I forget the other guy who was brought in to do the Frogger job. But he says to Slippery Pete, um, he looks like a frog and Slippery Pete looks
2: at him and goes, so do you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I don't know why it's so funny, but it is.
2: Yeah, that, that Frogger episode was really, I think also a later episode, right?
1: That, I think, was, if that wasn't the last season, it was the second
2: to
0: last season. But
2: I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the last. Yeah, I think that was one. It of was
0: the, last season. One of the actually, Yeah, it was one of the last episodes.
2: Yeah, I think that goes into the same uh, arena as let's try something at the end. That was, I think that was a very personal sign film. Episode
0: and, and and again the like as far as inspired piece the, just like the um, the second spitter you know episode with Keith Hernandez I think that that Frogger scene shot from above <laughs> yeah. inspired just they they had to be doing backflips when they thought of that
1: absolutely and and right what preceded the, that Frogger part is jerry with the girlfriend that he tried to break up with um but then got back together with her because he didn't want to go out on the street where the lopper was and um (laughs) she was a two-face right no no two-face is from the festivus episode okay (laughs) this is the woman who her and jerry go through this really long breakup i think it ends up taking nine hours and they're just going back and forth in her apartment but anyway Right before George tries to move the Frogger thing, she comes out of a, uh, like, secondhand store and puts his hat on Jerry, because they're getting ready to go to, uh, like, Amish country, and and Jerry says, um, you know, we're going away for a long weekend, a long, long weekend, and George says, I hear thee. (laughs) It's a great part. Okay. I think that wraps up the draft. This is who we have. Round one, the three picks were Keith Hernandez, Frank Costanza, and Mr. Kruger. Round two, we had Jay Peterman, Newman, and Mr. Bookman. And round three, we had Dr. Watley, Lloyd Braun, and Slippery Pete. So that is our Seinfeld non-main characters draft for the Banished in the Pen podcast. I
0: love the the nine that we selected. And... How deep is the bench that we didn't select?
1: I'm. I, I could make. I was just thinking I could come up with nine guys who are just as good. Um, Easy. Shoot, like Bob Sacamano and Lomez, yes. who Bob. never even show. Who, who yes, never, right. Never never,
0: never, Bob Sacamano is a great pick. I mean,
1: <laughs> I've had Saccomano? a little list. Never.
0: Yeah. Nope, never.
1: Kramer has several friends: Lomez, Bob Sacamano, one. Um, one is an Orthodox one is Orthodox um Jew. I forget his name though. Um
0: Shlomo? Is that is that or do we see Shlomo?
1: I don't think so. I don't think we see any of Kramer's friends that he talks about. Right. But no, um, you're right. This is a very, very deep I mean,
0: we didn't have Estella Costanza, Putty. Oh, George I can't St- believe we'd have putty. Putty, George Steinbrenner. Uncle Leo, <laughs> Banya, Crazy Joe Devola, um, the Soup Nazi, Jackie Childs, Poppy. Um, I mean, I, I had I had a little list to work off t- depending on who you guys took, but um, and then the, even like more like one-offs like Sue Ellen Mishke, yes. which I thought was a yeah. great episode, or yeah, Babu Bob. The,
1: the fact that Putty, Banya, and Jackie Childs didn't get chosen. It uh, just shows
0: the, how strong the uh, uh the draft class was, I guess. Good job. Yep. How many and actually of, of the characters that we just talked about, how many of them and it, like like uh like putty, he like took that character and launched it into a career post Seinfeld. Same thing with like Frank Costanza, th- same thing yep. with Newman, same thing with Jay Peterman. Like a lot of these guys just
1: Playing the exact same time. too. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think that putty character. I forget the actor's name, but I don't feel as though he's capable of playing any sort of Patrick other. Warburton. Okay.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah. That sounds. I mean, like, uh, that sounds like what he would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure if if the soup Nazi was going to come up as as a character, but before before we leave this, you guys know that the soup Nazi is a real person. Yes. With mm-hmm. a real soup. Soup spot. Yes. Um, Anthony, now you're you're from New York. You have you gone to his place?
2: I haven't gone to his place, but I
0: have at the local giant here in
2: Central PA. Uh, his soups are available. Oh. Okay. Uh, and and I watched a uh, Larry David interview on yes with Michael K. And uh-huh. Michael K. brings up how you know the Soup Man is now in supermarkets everywhere, and you could see uh, Larry David's wheels turning. You know that he, he gave him the uh, the national spotlight,
0: right, so. right, right. Well, I, I went to him once. This was years ago, um, and, and you know the the setup for the place is is not you don't go inside it. You're kind of always out on the street. You know, but I, I can attest that that soup is delicious. Um, maybe not line up around the block delicious, but it was it was pretty amazing. And I was very nervous ordering. Uh, you know, just the the episode had me spooked. So I I knew what I wanted, ordered it, moved to the side, gave my money, an exact change, and got out of there. <laughs> Do but they have Do no, they have
2: any Seinfeld paraphernalia or anything? They
0: they really didn't. I mean, it, it said if, if I recall, it had something on the outside, just kind of like like kind of like as scene on Seinfeld sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But and the guy wasn't like the guy was kind of in the back. Uh. I'm assuming it, this was the suit Nazi guy. You know, kind of looked, uh, you know, Eastern European or whatever. Um, but he didn't interact with the customers. He wasn't. He wasn't talking with anybody. So uh, I didn't get to really. And I wasn't. And I wasn't about to start asking questions and uh, get my soup snatched away from me. So um, I was hoping to be able to order jambalaya, so I could. Uh, I could. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Uh but uh no no such luck.
1: Do you all remember the episode where Kramer does the Jay Peterman reality tour? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I think that was actually spoofing the real Soup Nazi because I think he did something similar to in real life to the Soup Nazi. Yeah. He did like <laughs> some I I I might be wrong on this. I might have to look this up, but I think in real life he did something like this is the the super nazi this is like the reality tour I don't think he called himself the super nazi but um you know he he kind of parlayed that into his own thing and I think that's what they were um yeah I think that's what they were spoofing with the with the J. Peterman
2: reality tour yeah I well, did it? I'm sorry go ahead, the, go ahead. The, the the Cosmo Kramer character Kenny Kramer he had a tour throughout New York right that's what took, I was gonna say yeah that he took people on uh. Okay, maybe I'm getting. Maybe. No, it might be both. I mean, a lot of there's, there's a lot of ancillary uh, tours related to Seinfeld. I
0: mean that that was a pretty hefty cash cow, and I think a lot of people were trying to milk it. I think yeah. it's
2: I think it still is, Scott.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: My uh my friend my friend from work went to see Seinfeld um at the Borgata in. in Atlantic City and Seinfeld has a bit where he, he says flat out, "I don't have to be here. I have enough money. I'm, I'm, I just trying to get out of the house, get away from my f- wife and kids." <laughs> so I think he's very honest, and yeah. you know uh, comedians in cars getting coffee is really good. So
0: I was, I was going to ask if you guys watched any of that. I, I haven't watched every episode, but some of it is really enjoyable.
2: Yeah, you, he really, his personality really comes out. And right. um, there's one with him and Larry Dave. I think he's had all the Seinfeld people on there um but again that's just another avenue into his comedy
1: i've only watched a couple episodes of that but yeah it, it is very good
0: yeah. he had a he had a really good one actually with uh, president obama yes i don't know if you saw that but that was uh, uh i mean i thought it was a pretty unique get as far as uh, those sort of things go
1: well here's a good question is Seinfeld the best sitcom on television right now?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say yes, because I just think it's the best ever. And so unless unless the best sitcom ever is on TV right now, then yes, it is.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, it, what's, what's crazy is the last episode was in May of 1998. So that, that was over 18 years ago. And other than the, you know... The moments when you're watching the show and you're thinking like, OK, if that happened today, they would just pull out a cell phone and fix it.
0: Right. Of course. Of course.
1: Other than those moments, the jokes are still really funny. Like it doesn't the show doesn't feel dated at all. I mean, Jerry's outfits are always hilarious and bad. Um, right. But I think they were kind of hilarious and bad in the 90s. too. Then
0: too Right. Right. Well, you know what? I, I'll, I'll take this back. Uh, I mean, Seinfeld is still the reigning king. The one, the one sitcom, and I don't, I don't really watch a lot of just regular sitcom TV type stuff, but one show that I think is approaching that genius level and actually stars a Seinfeld person is Veep.
1: You know, I've never seen a single episode of Veep. Ah, uh, I've heard it's, I've heard it's fantastic. But it it
0: yep. is fantastic. It really is. And and again, the kind of. I mean, it's not a similar show to, to Seinfeld. But what it does have in common is, um, is kind of multiple angles going on at the same time, you know, m- multiple storylines, and, and they will inevitably weave together to create chaos by the end, you know? Um, and, and I think the other, the other part, and this is more kind of a, a, a meta, you know, uh, look at the characters. I think Seinfeld was unique because it's the first, maybe the only show that i really liked where none of the characters are really likable you know but if if you really want to just evaluate them as human beings they're all pretty despicable people i've always and yet
1: yeah go ahead
0: and yet, and yet you love them you root for them you like i don't know at least i did well uh,
1: i always loved them because i felt the characters took the worst of, had like the worst of my bad, qual- had all of my bad qualities, but, but none of my good quality. Like they had, they had very relatable bad qualities in that they were incredibly selfish. Yeah. Um, they, uh, you, you know, they, they were all, you know, I, which is the same thing as selfish, always just thinking about themselves. Um, yeah. So it, it was very, like, I knew people like George Um, and I, I could see, you know, bits and pieces of myself and some of the characters. So yeah, they were awful, awful people because they had all these relatable bad qualities without any of the good ones. Right.
2: That came together in the finale, right? And every everyone's, everyone's, uh, selfish behavior is coming back to them.
1: So do we all hate the finale? Yep.
0: I think that's, uh. It's agreed upon.
1: I, I don't. I don't even like watching it when it's on now.
2: Really? I, it's. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's how they chose to end it. Larry David was the writer on that. Yeah. He tends to do things his own way. As, you know, he was recently in the news. He was off of Curb for three or four years. Now he's going to come back. I mean, he's, you know.
0: Well, I mean, what I what I like about and I thought it was great was that they, they did trot out a lot of the characters that we just talked about. You know, these these people that were in one episode, a couple episodes, but were so memorable that it was great to see them again. You know, they brought back, uh, you know, what, Terry Hatcher for an episode, <laughs> you know, to be in bed with Jackie Childs. That episode was just on the other day. They're real and they're spectacular. I was never a Terry Hatcher fan, but having watched that episode again recently, I'm like, I, I can get why she had such a following. She looked amazing in that episode. Um, but, but just like to bring a character like that back again, I think mean, that was really smart. I just didn't think the episode was very funny, you know, like they, the right idea, bad execution kind of thing. Yeah.
1: For a show, I, I always, um, that had the type of humor that did like what was basically tantamount to a clip show was not what I wanted in the finale, but I I'm also sorry. recognize how hard it is to end a show like that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's almost impossible I mean, it, to make it, to make it work.
0: And but the problem is that what they did prior to that that finale, you know, the nine seasons that they had produced before that were almost impossible as well. You know, to make a show that good, that just seemed to hit all the right notes all the time. And and you know, there's really, I mean, how many episodes? You know, I know we're going to do an episode draft or whatever, but how many episodes can you think of that were just duds? I could I could count on one hand maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know, in, in I, what a hundred and some odd episodes, yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's incredible to to be able to deliver time and time again. And unfortunately, I think the finale was one of the duds. Yeah. You know? yeah. So
1: totally agree. The draft of the minor characters went longer than I think we anticipated. We're gonna scrap the draft of episodes, and we're each just gonna talk about an episode or a sign moment that we really enjoyed. So, Anthony, you want to lead us off? Yep, sounds good.
2: I think uh, last night I was going through preparing, and I came across the Pony remark um, that Jerry and Elaine, they were um, invited to a great aunt's 50th wedding anniversary. Morty and his mom came up from Florida, and they were at the, din- the, the dinner table, Jerry said something about how he disliked anyone. He he and Elaine disliked anyone with ponies, and how it turns out is this woman from probably Eastern Europe. Uh, she it disappointed her. She had grew up with a pony, and this shocked Jerry and Elaine. And and um, she stormed out after um, the comment. And turns out the comment uh, they allude that the comment might have killed her. So I think that was a very early episode um that showed you sort of what they're capable of at Seinfeld um so the the pony remark uh stood out for me who thinks an immigrant's going to have a pony <laughs> <laughs> why would you leave why would you leave a land full of ponies <laughs> for a non-pony
1: that was another baseball episode. well softball i guess yes yeah. and Seinfeld really touches on baseball a lot
2: yeah yeah, he's a big yeah, I, f-
1: know, I mean, we talked about Keith Hernandez earlier. George's time with the Yankees. Um, the time where Elaine wears the Orioles hat to the Yankees game. Yep, you know, right. There's just a lot of baseball moments in Seinfeld.
2: Yeah, apparently Seinfeld, I don't know if he still does, but uh, at City Field, there's two boxes behind home plate that are bigger than everyone else's. And the word was that he, one of them was his. And huh. uh, he was at the World's a lot of the playoff and World Series games. Um, so yeah, he's right. like the, the celebrity met fan. Um, I was talking to one of my buddies at work today. and you know, wish he could buy a piece of the team, try to bring some, some popularity to the ownership team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Scott, you want to go? Uh, sure. Um, I think, uh, we we've talked about it a number of the episodes or or, or touched on a few of the, the better moments. I think, even though he's not my favorite character uh, of, of the four main characters, he's my least favorite. But Kramer, doing the bus monologue from the the fire episode, <laughs> uh-huh. might be the best monologue in, in the show's history, um, where he's you know he's fighting off an attacker. Um, you know, he's trying to rush to get his, if you remember his girlfriend was heckling Jerry's, uh, Jerry at the club and I think Jerry heckles her, goes to her work, heckles her. Um, she's distraught, goes out in the street, a street sweeper cuts off her pinky toe. Kramer's trying to save it, fighting off an attacker, still making the, the stops. Now I'm driving the bus. <laughs> yeah, now I'm driving the bus. Right, The bus driver has a heart attack or something uh uh he's and then and then they say something like uh you know well you know i got him off at the next stop he still made the stops uh so just that that whole thing just he has a few monologues where he just nails it and and that was just a, a highlight that was back in, in season five kind of right in the end of season five right smack dab in the middle of of uh, the series run,
1: I can't believe Kramer's your least favorite of the. I mean, they're all. It's hard picking because they're all so
0: good. but... I, I, you know what? I, honestly, I mean Jerry's. Pro, pro, I mean Jerry's the straight man, and yep. all, so he's yeah. at least funny, I suppose. But uh, you know the Kramer's over the top stuff sometimes wore on me a little bit. I mean, if there was, but but you you needed to have him because. Otherwise, you couldn't go as oddball as as needed to be, you know. I I will say in in prepping for all this and looking at um you know some of the like behind the scenes type stuff, Michael Richards seemed like a real dick <laughs> to work with. He well, like would, uh, upset when people would laugh. He got yeah. There, there's like videos on YouTube. You know, so if you guys are are Seinfeld fans and out there listening and you wanna get some inside stuff, there's videos that are dedicated to just watching him whenever anybody else would break character or, or laugh, and he, he wants he is not about it at all. he like gets mad at the at you know, he's getting mad at Jerry or he's getting mad at Julie Lee's right Like he is he's like legitimately pissed at them. <laughs> for not keeping it together. I mean, this is, they're recording the funniest show in the history of television. You're going to, you're going to lose it from time to time. And he's, he, oh man, he pissed. And even in some of the inner, like they have uh, some of these things called like inside looks where they're kind of, you know, they'll show a clip from a show and then do like a, you know, like a confessional or interview with the actors that were in it. And even then, I mean, years after these shows have aired, he's still like, they kept breaking character. We didn't have enough time. you know. And he's still serious as can be. So, um, yeah, just kind of a little bit of a surprise. Kind of seemed like a dick. And I know his name got dragged through the mud through his own doing in, in other ways, but uh. I, I didn't know that about him until I started see, doing some prep for this episode. Yeah, and that, that's something
2: that, um, I don't know if you've watched the, ep- the season, actually, of Curb Your Enthusiasm, dedicated to the Seinfeld reunion. I never saw it. All right, that, and, uh, I didn't
0: watch it like beginning to end, no.
2: Yeah, so that's something that they allude to how, you know, his personality and, and Larry David puts him in a scene where he's uh raising his voice to an African American and everyone's taking out their their phones and recording it, so I think I guess Michael Richards, you know, was able to laugh at himself after a while. And it's also something I think he brings up in uh when he's in comedians and cars getting coffee. So yeah, it's just the character. yes yeah. was one of the all time great ones.
1: Okay, so I, I think I said this earlier, but Festivus is probably my favorite episode, and Frogger's not not far behind. And there are some other great great episodes that I love, like uh, the car dealership. I just think every minute of that episode is hysterical. Um, I love kind of like the uh, um, the Gina Davis. Uh, uh, thing going on with Kramer and the guy uh, in the car, um, seeing how far they can go in the car. Um, the uh, what's? It? I love the Merv Griffin set episode. Um, another classic. But I'm gonna for my for the moment. I'm gonna talk about the Moyle and the <laughs> what I guess is the Godfather episode. I, I don't remember the the actual name of the episode, but but That's you one. all
2: know. That's yeah. one of the ones I wrote down. Uh, it's called The Briss. Oh, Briss, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: The Moyle is, um, is out of this world funny. Um, I've heard some people say they think he's too over the top, but I think he's – I laugh every time I see him. Um, and another great part from that episode is where Kramer thinks he sees the pig man at the yep. hospital. Yep. And um, <laughs> right. find out at the end it's just a uh, short, fat, mental patient. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, so that be that would be my in terms of I, I remember watching that episode when I was in high school, and it, it was the episode when it was, it was actually in real time. It was like when it was on that Thursday night in prime time, and just thinking, "Wow, this is the this might be the funniest show I've ever seen."
2: Yeah, that uh, monologue he goes off on. Elaine, I think, when he, he, he says why it's so important not to drop anything because of the carpet and the glass is going to get into the carpet. Deep, deep into the carpet.
1: Yeah. Like, and then he got glass in the carpet.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So I, I think what was just so great about Seinfeld is, you know, there were certainly other great sitcoms, you know, before and after. I, I think Cheers is right up there with one of the great sitcoms of all time. But. There was never a show like Seinfeld before it, and there hasn't been one like it since, I don't think. And in terms of every other sitcom before it was very formulaic in some way, whether it was using Cheers again as an example, like, you know, they were always at the bar. Um, Each character was always kind of doing the same thing. Um, Seinfeld was kind of in its own little world. And just the quality of the writing and the quality of the acting and the quality of the casting, I think, is why it's still funny uh, 20 years later.
2: Yeah, it definitely plays today. Um, I was watching some episodes yesterday with my daughter, who's 14, and, you know, it's just, it's still, it's still there. I mean, I, and, and as you watch it, as you grow, I mean, I was between the ages of maybe 9 and 17 when it came out. So you... You pick up different things throughout your life watching different episodes along the way. So, Definitely one of the best, and I think it's something that, once the baseball season ends, I'm going to try to knock out all 180 episodes over the winter. Oh, my. Wow. If they're that, 20, that, it's 22 minutes. 22 minutes yeah. apiece.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can burn through them very fast. There's, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> That's a lot of episodes. <laughs>
1: Scott, do you have any closing uh, remarks
0: about Seinfeld? Uh, no, I just you know it's it's one of those. Like, I mean, I think we we've we've all you know appreciated it. That's why we're talking about it, and I think it's it's got such a broad following. Um, I would say you know I probably was not the intended audience. I I, I was, and we talked about the age range. You know, I was you know, 15, 16, 17, when I was watching the show. Uh, I lived 3,000 miles away from where it was. I had no idea what the life of a 30-something comedian living in New York City, you know. None of that would have appealed to me on the surface. But, like you said, the writing, the characters, the casting, um, and, and to me, just like the, the intelligence of it, uh, I, I really do not like sitcoms at all. I um you know cheers was was certainly a good one and and, and, and whatnot but but uh, I, they just they don't they don't interest me all that much um, unless they're exquisite and and Seinfeld is just one of those things we were saying before how there really weren't any duds you know every episode didn't just have a singular funny premise that lost steam as the episode went on. it built. And you had multiple streams going on simultaneously, you know, coordinating with each other. And, um, you know, I think it, it, it's, a, it's an unbelievable, like we said, 180 episodes. You know, you crank out 180 episodes and every single one of them delivers or, you know, maybe not a couple of those early, you know, Seinfeld Chronicle or whatever um, or, or the, uh, the finale. But um, I mean, that's just that's just an incredible run. It's an incredible run, and it's very difficult to repeat. I I, I did recommend to you guys, um, you know, it's it's only a couple seasons in, but if you like that kind of comedy, and I think we do, um, I was, I think off, off air, I was talking with Anthony about Veep and how it has some very Seinfeldian uh, elements to it, except you put it on HBO with, you know, so language, you can kind of say and do a little bit more, and uh, and also it's just it's a denser product. So it's kind of like a, in in a thirty minute episode they can just pack in a lot more comedy, uh, just because the writing is the jokes come a lot faster and they're a lot tighter, um, in my mind. So I don't think it's better than Seinfeld. I think it is a, you know, an evolution of Seinfeld, I and mean, I was I was likening it to like rap music how how the you know the classics were a little bit slower and a little bit more basic in the rhyme scheme um, and and now there's you know multisyllabic rhyming and it's a lot more complicated um, doesn't make it better than the old stuff but I think I think VEEP is is one that if you're looking for a show to check out that's along those lines uh, I think you guys would appreciate it and doesn't help doesn't hurt that it's starring Julie Louis Dreyfus
2: also before we close I want to mention one thing tied to tie into baseball uh, Lucas Giolito made his major league debut this week. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 for the Nats. And someone in the effectively wild group posted a video. His grandfather was actually Susan's dad um, from Seinfeld. So the actor who played the older, gruff New Yorker um, who wasn't really approving of George as his daughter's uh, mate. Uh, was actually Lucas Giolito's grandfather. So to tie baseball into Seinfeld, along with the many other baseball references throughout the nine years of the show.
1: That was I, I was really happy when I heard that. That's a, yeah, it was really
0: that's really cool.
1: A, that's a great fun fact. All right, I think that about wraps it up, guys. This was fun. I'm glad we did this. Um, again, this is Alex Crystal uh, You can find me on. Twitter at alexcard79 and I write at ViveAlbertos. Um, guys, you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet?
2: Sure. Uh, Anthony Lorenzo, um, I'm at BallparkNerd on Twitter. Uh, the website BallparkNerd.com. Over the past few years, I've been visiting all the major league stadiums, and I created a site to chronicle all those experiences, as well as create a, a platform for others to share some of their uh, road trip stories and go to different games. So ballparknerd.com. If you want to reach out to me, thanks. All
0: right. And, uh, and I'm Scott Kushner, um, Twitter SL underscore Kush K U S H. Um, and I also coach at Centenary university, the baseball team there. Um, you can, you can follow the baseball team on Twitter at CC baseball. Um, and, uh, still, I have I have some some uh, some stories and things like that from the season that just was, or, or from my coaching past. I've, I've shared a few of them on Banish the Pen, the website. It's been a little while for me, so I'm, I'm going to hopefully crank out a couple more that uh, that I can get out there and you guys can enjoy.
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks. All right, thank you.